0: I want to start with a question, and that is can you really know someone? I mean, really know them. Know everything about them. Know their past. Know their thoughts. Know everything that they've said or done. Let me ask another question Who do you think knows you best? Maybe it's your parents, your siblings, a close friend, a spouse. But even that person, I dare say, does not know everything there is to know about you. After all, we are very mysterious creatures. And the human heart is a very deep well. Even those that we're closest to, we don't completely know. I think about sitting around the dinner table with my grandparents. And my grandfather, this was several years ago, my grandfather begins to tell a story from his childhood. And when he was finished, my grandmother said, well, I've never heard that story before. And by that time, they had been married over 50 years. And there was still something about him that she didn't know. And I bet that wasn't the only thing. I once heard a story about a couple who had been married for many, many years, husband and wife. And for all those years, the husband had, when they would buy a loaf of bread, he would eat the heels of the loaf for her sake so that she could enjoy the best part in the center and he did this quietly unassumingly he would always take the heels of the bread loaf and he would make a sandwich out of those and so the wife as she became older became very sick and she was in her final moments on the earth and she and her husband were sharing some very tender moments as she lay there in her final moments and They were talking about their marriage and their family and many memories. And and he said, honey, I want you to know this. And I didn't bring attention to it, you know, throughout our marriage. But I just want you to know that all these years, when we would buy a loaf of bread, I would eat the heels. You know, for your sake. So that you can enjoy the center of the loaf. And with her dying breath, she said, that was my favorite part. So you can be married to someone for decades and still not know everything there is to know about them. We hear this phrase, you think you know someone. How do we use that phrase? When someone who we thought we knew disappoints us, and when that person acts outside of what we thought was their character, you thought you knew somebody. I really thought I knew that person better. Someone we were close to, someone we looked up to and they do something that disappoints us we remain unknowable largely to the people around us even to those with whom we are the closest and yet there is one who does know us and he knows us completely and intimately i want us to read from psalm 139 today this is our text we heard a bit of it earlier And sometimes when I read a text in the Sunday sermon, I like to read a little part of it and then take a break and make some comments along the way, sort of deconstruct it. But today, I want us to read a good chunk of this in one sitting. I think it's going to be good for these words from verses 1 through 16 to just sort of wash over us this morning. So I want to start by reading Psalm 139, 1 through 16. I hope you'll follow along with me. The psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Your spouse may not know everything about you. And certainly, I would not commend hiding from your husband or your wife. We need to be as transparent and honest in our marriages as we possibly can be, but the fact of the matter is there will remain parts of you hidden from even your spouse. Your parents may not know everything about you. Your friends may not know everything about you. Your siblings may not know everything about you, but let me tell you what the psalmist reveals to us in this psalm. God knows everything about you. He knows you completely. He knows you intimately. What we learn in these verses is that God knows what you're doing every moment of every day. God knows what you're thinking. God knows where you're going. God knows what you're going to say even before you say it. God's knowledge of you is complete. It is exhaustive. We have people in our culture who are experts on various fields of study, and what we mean by that is they have read everything there is to read on that particular topic, uh, and and they know everything there is they can possibly know about that thing. Well, God is a you expert. God is a Joseph expert, and God is a Harry expert, and God is a Melanie expert. God is a Lauren expert. God is a Pam expert. God is a Troy expert. He's a Ralph expert. I could name every person in this auditorium. God is an expert on you. He knows everything about you. He knows you. And what's more, there is no place that you can go to get away from His knowledge. The psalmist said, if I go to the highest of heights, He's there. If I go to the lowest of lows, He's there. If I go as far west or east or north or south as I possibly can go, He's there. There's no escaping His knowledge of me. And the psalmist also says, God knew you even before you were known to the world, even before you were formed in your mother's womb. God knew you even before you were known to your own mother." And who knows us better in our earliest years before we even enter the world than our own mothers in whose wombs we were formed who could feel us move and kick before the world knew us? The psalmist says God knows you better than your own mother who brought you into the world. He knows the days allotted to you before you were even conceived. I don't know how many days that I have left on the earth. You don't know how many days you have left. There is someone who knows. And it's God above. Your Father in heaven knows. Elsewhere in Scripture, we're told, He knows the number of hairs on your head. Has anyone tried to count the number of hairs on your head? Some of you, it would be easier for you than others. But still, it's a difficult task to know how many hairs there are in your head. God knows. He knows you inside and out and upside down. He knows everything about you. What I want to know is, how does this strike you, all this? What we've just learned from Psalm 139. How does that hit you? Does it strike you as good news or bad? This psalm might be unsettling to some. It probably is a bit disturbing to some. Because we all have what I'm going to call this morning an independence impulse. And we put up defenses and privacy barriers around our lives and our hearts, and we don't want anyone getting too close. We don't want people knowing everything there is to know about us. And in our culture, the rugged individual is exalted, and we admire the person who goes it alone and who has the strength to handle things by themselves. We all have this independence impulse. We want To be left alone and yet at the same time we want people to come close. Sometimes we experience this simultaneously. You've experienced this in relationships. At the very same instant you want somebody to know you and you want them to leave you alone. We have an independence impulse but we also have an intimacy impulse. We want, we long to be known. In 2013... In August of that year, Michael Brandon Hill entered an elementary school just outside of Atlanta. This 21 or this 20-year-old young man was armed with an AK-47 type weapon. And he had every intention of turning that elementary school into the next Columbine or Sandy Hook. But then he ran into a lady named Antoinette Tuff, appropriate last name, the school's bookkeeper. And on this occasion, Tuff is credited with preventing the shooting by talking with Michael Brandon Hill and convincing him to surrender. And how did she do it? Well, it's all recorded for us in her 911 call. This is what she said to this young man, this very troubled young man. It's going to be all right, sweetie. I just want you to know I love you, okay? And I'm proud of you after he's decided to surrender. She says to him, that's a good thing that you're just giving up and don't worry about it. We all go through something in life. No, you don't want this. You are going to be okay. I thought the same thing. You know, I tried to commit suicide last year after my husband left me, but look at me now. I'm still working and everything is okay. And because of her, lives were spared on this day. And there are a lot of factors at play. This was a a very mentally ill young man. Very troubled. But you could make the case that Antoinette Antoinette Tuff saved lives by making this troubled young man feel seen and heard and known. And we all long, though we want to be left alone, we also want to be known. We have an independence impulse, and yet we also have an intimacy impulse. We long to be known and seen and heard. And to the psalmist, God's knowledge of himself, it hits him as good news. In verses 17 and 18, this is what he says. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Verse 18 implies... He begins to count all of the Lord's thoughts. He begins to discern the Lord's ways. And because they are so numerous, he falls asleep. But when he awakes, he finds himself still in the arms of his Lord. That God is still with him. That his knowledge of him remains complete. He delights in the fact that God knows him. It's good news to him. And it should sound like good news to us too. Does it sound like good news to you when you read Psalm 139 and when you see how God intimately knows you and knows everything about you and there's nothing you can do to escape His presence and He's been knowing you from before the time that you were born, before everybody else got to know you, He knew you. It's Good news to the psalmist. It should be good news to us. Let me tell you why. It should be good news. God's knowledge of us should be good news. It should bring us comfort. That's one reason it should be good news. It should bring us comfort, not terror, comfort. We should with the hymn writer be able to say these words. This is from the hymn, Father and friend, thy light, thy love. Thy children shall not faint nor fear sustained by this delightful thought. Since thou, their God, art everywhere, they cannot be where thou art not. We cannot be where he is not. And that should lift our spirits, our drooping hearts. That should replace fear with faith. It should be delightful to know, it should be comforting, to know that God's knowledge of us is complete and He's everywhere we go. We cannot be where He is not. The psalmist finds comfort in verse 10 in being led and held by God it should also strike us as, God, as good news, God's knowledge of us. Because His knowledge of us is evidence of His love for us. He knows you, and He loves you. When you love someone, you want to know them better, don't you? Many of us can remember falling in love with maybe our spouse now. And in those early days, we wanted to know everything there was to know about that other person, about our boyfriend or girlfriend who would become our husband or wife. You want to learn about who this is. You want to learn about their aspirations and their dreams and their thoughts and their likes and their dislikes and their story and their family, everything about them. When you love someone, you want to know them better. And I'm wondering, does God's knowledge of us grow out of His love for us? Is God compelled to know us because He loves us? Is His knowledge of us complete because His love for us is complete? Consider this. God knows everything about you, if that isn't already evident. God knows everything about you, every thought you've ever had, thoughts that you wouldn't share with another living soul. Every word you have ever uttered, Even the ones mumbled under your breath. Every deed you've ever done. Even those done in private. He knows all that and more. And he still loves you. He still loves you. You think because of what I've done. Because of what I've thought. Because of what I've said. No one could ever love me if they knew me. If they really knew the real me if I let them into the deep recesses of my heart, if they could see the filthiness of my brain, if they could see my habits, they wouldn't love me anymore. Let me tell you, God knows you completely. And He loves you completely. He loves you no less for all of the things that you've done and said and thought. His knowledge of us is evidence of his love for us. And number three, God's knowledge of us, it should strike us as good news, the message of this psalm, because it can cleanse us of our impurities and our sin. Psalm 139 ends with remarkable words that echo the start. Verses 23 and 24. The psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You remember how the psalm starts? You have searched me and known me. And the psalm ends with, Search me, O God, and know my heart. You have searched me, God, search me more. You have known me, know me better. Why? The psalmist reasoning So that you, God, can purge me, transform me into the person you want me to be. God's knowledge of you is to work like a surgical instrument that digs in and gets rid of anything within us that shouldn't be there. Any sinful habits and attitudes and behaviors. And you know what? Surgery is not pleasant. Surgical procedures and operations are not pleasant but we should welcome God's knowledge that has a way of working its way into us and ridding us of that which does not lead us to everlasting life. And as unpleasant as the process might be, it should be something we desire. Because we so long to be righteous and pure and holy in His sight, and we should so detest those things that block the way to a relationship with God. Are a part of that wall that separates us. God, know me so that you can rid me, so that you can purge me of anything that does not lead me in the way everlasting. I don't want it in there anymore. And I don't know how to get rid of it on my own. So I need your knowledge to probe me and to rid me of all that is impure within me. God's knowledge can cleanse us of all our impurities. We want to be left alone. don't want anybody to know us. We put up these privacy barriers and these defenses. We don't want anyone in. But to be a Christian means to be increasingly wanting God more and more to bust through our defenses so that He can transform our lives. We should want God to get to work in us even if it might not always be pleasant, to rid us of any way that is not pleasing to Him. Do you want that? Do you want God to know you better so that He can cleanse you? What is it that hinders you from walking in the way everlasting? To use the psalmist language. This morning, why don't you let God in Why don't you let him in? I mean, he already knows everything about you. Why don't you say, God, I acknowledge that you know everything about me. I'm stunned that you still love me in spite of it. And I want you to come in. I want you to know me better. I want you to search me. I want you to root out anything that is not in keeping with your will. I want you to rid me of that. I seek it. I want you to come in and to know me better. Today, I want to invite anyone who doesn't know God to come and to know Him. And to know what it's like to have a relationship with Him. And really, for the purposes of this sermon, I I shouldn't say, come to know God. I should say, come to be known by God today. No one will ever know you like God knows you no one will also ever love you like God loves you. His way is everlasting life. That life can be yours today if only you'd come and confess the name of His Son, repent of your sins, and be baptized so that those can be washed away. Or if there is any way in you that is not pleasing to the Father, then maybe you want to come and say, I need God to know me better so that He can purge me, and I need the help of my brothers and sisters. I need my church family, to lift me up so that I can be strengthened, to want God to know me even better tomorrow so that that knowledge can transform me. If there are any spiritual needs in the house, we sing a special song every Sunday to encourage you to come to make those known, to make things right in your life. If you need to do that today, why don't you right now as we stand and sing?